Twin Talk with Jose and Angel, identical twins who swam the placental waters together and have navigated life as identical individuals. At childhood, the brothers shared clothes, a room, and birthdays, thus fortifying their bond. Nevertheless, their differences became apparent. While Jose and Angel love country, family, and rock and roll, they rarely see eye to eye. The only constant is their unique alliance and rivalry. They may have shared the room, but they don't share opinions. And welcome to another edition of Twin Talk with Jose and Angel. I'm Jose. And I'm Angel. And we are broadcasting live from Theo Luis's garage on TwinTalkCast.com. And uh, we're also doing it out of the largest internet radio network in the world. That's Live365.com. Just look for our radio station. It's called Twin Talk Cast Radio. That's two word. Twin Talk Cast Radio. I was uh, I was uh, <laughs> eating a chocolate. I'm sorry, folks. So started, and so I had to clear that up. <laughs> Anyways, we're so glad that you're with us today. We are so excited to be back. We had been we've been a little bit of a hiatus uh, because, as you guys may know, we are. In you the, got high? Not at all. You said hi, we were just high us. Anyway, um, we're in the midst of a television sweeps period, and uh, that's pretty busy time, and it's kind of difficult for us to get out here, so can, we have to take a little bit of hiatus. Can you explain to our listeners what the uh, sweeps are in television? Because, you know, for some of us, we, you know... That's the period. Uh, that's, I'm sure a lot of people that's know that. like That's either when you win three games in a row, or <laughs> when your mom tells you to do the chores. Anyways, that has to do with uh, um, the period and during which all the televisions... Uh, networks are rated um, um, as for a viewership, and they utilize that data in order to sell commercial spots to their sponsors. So the the more television projects and good projects you can get on there during the sweeps, yes, theoretically you'll get better, more listenership or here's viewership. A, here's a tip. It's all about the promotion. A long time ago when I first started in this business, in the local side of it, um, I would pitch ideas to the to the news director and I say hey I got a great idea for for, for sweeps and and man I would be a good and, producer and, man. and she finally said to me one day Jose you're giving me great ideas and those are great feature stories and obviously your network experience is coming through but think about the promo mm. and I go oh it's backward you don't think the story you if there's a the story, promo. think about the promo. Sure that you think of the story, but is it promotable? Is it something that's easy to promote that you can grab by a catchphrase or an image? Then let's go for it. Put those twins, eh, on NBC, eh? <laughs> we can be promotable on there, man. Uh, anyway, I don't know how many ratings we get. So there you go uh, to uh, to my friend Elizabeth. That's what the sweeps are. I guess you already knew that, but I was trying to explain it earlier. Anyway, so uh, today on the show, I'm really excited. We're going to have a couple of friends of ours. Uh, one of them is Matt Schrader, and the other one's Trevor Thompson. Both of them are filmmakers of a new documentary that is coming out. I've seen the trailer. It is awesome i mean it really is awesome i've shared that trailer with people and they're like oh my god that's really good the trailer or the film is called score and i thought it was fitting because after all this is oscars week and this week what did you say score score as in musical score or the oh. music score i should say the music or the, the music of a film when you think of a film don't you always think of the movie or the music yeah like think about raiders of the last ark Da, 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 da. Something no, like that's that. Superman kind of. <laughs> dun, da, dun, 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 dun. And there's Harrison Ford with his whip. Yeah. yeah or I when you it. think of Rocky, what? 
Yeah. Anyway, the, and Darth Vader. Dun, 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 dun. Anyway, the music. Can you believe that? I don't think it's ever been done a documentary about the scoring of films. Isn't and, that something? Anyway, um, the <laughs> the documentary, uh, the trailer is really really cool. I've seen uh, I've seen it. They're talking to people um, like Hans Zimmer, uh, John Williams, um, uh, Danny Elfman, all the great names in music music scoring for film. And I'm excited to have both Trevor and Matt on our show with us tonight mm. to discuss that. Um, I know Matt uh, pretty well. Um, I've known him for a while, and he's a very dynamic individual. Mm. So uh, we're in for a treat today, guys. And we'll share a little bit of that trailer as well with you guys tonight. So stay tuned for that. Right on. We're also going to have our, uh, uh, who's here with us every week. Uh, she's out of Telemundo and NBC, multimedia journalists. And, uh, you know, I mean, her being here in our show really means it's multimedia as well, because over here it's radio. Uh, she <laughs> yes. comes and brings the news and the dirty laundry and her sassiness. Jackie, what do you Jack- got for us today? Yeah, what do you got for us tonight on t- What's that? Dirty laundry? News and dirty laundry? (laughs) (laughs) Hi, guys. Tonight on News and Dirty Laundry, a curveball has been thrown into the Obama's executive action order. Details on that and what it means for all the millions of immigrants in this country. In other words, you're a tyrant. Also, the movie Fifty Shades of Grey (laughs) broke box office records this Valentine's Day weekend. But one Northern California town is not happy about it i'll tell you why and finally the trendy workout crossfit which i'm sure you guys are familiar with where they go kind of crazy look with at their angels, workouts look at angel's belly do you think so <laughs> <laughs> they have found a new energy drink and trust me guys it has nothing to do with gatorade i'll tell you what that new fetish energy drink is fetish yeah all oh, that and more man. coming up on news and dirty laundry and that'll be in a little while with Jackie Casa. She's with us every week, only on Twin Talk with Jose and Angel. So we're glad you're with us. Also, stay tuned tonight as I will regale you with another one of my rants during my Patriot Pass. And I have a lot to say about um, ISIS and our country's policy or non-policy toward those ass. Did I just actually almost say that? ISIS. ISIS. <laughs> also tonight, as we always close out the show with a nice, mellow moment, my brother will drop a chill lounge. The chill lounge, always, uh, sometimes silly, sometimes profound, but always, always chill. You know, let someone else drop that. I'll say it next time. Okay, you say it, man. Sometimes, I forgot it. You have to write it down for me. Hey, man, so, so oh, yeah, you know what? For all of you who don't aren't able to listen to us live, it's okay because you can listen to all our podcasts on iTunes because we're iTwins, and also at our website www.twintalkcast.com, all our shows are archived there. And uh, our last show, which was a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, we had the uh, uh, twins uh, 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 musical duo out of uh, out of Africa, Nigeria, Africa. Yes. It was a cool song. They, they called in. We talked to them uh, via Skype. And uh, we played their song, World Champion. And uh, we also, I think we had uh, uh, another call in by somebody. I don't remember who it was. But you can go to our web our webpage, TwinTalkCast.com, and listen to our podcast and download us and all that kind of stuff. Also, if you want to give us a chat, go to our Facebook wall at Twin Talk Show, and you can make comments, questions, or whatever throughout the show. And uh, also give us a call at 626 
That's 626-275-8946. And we'll take your calls as well. Hey, man. So, so you were doing sweeps, but I know that recently you were, um, you were called on for a pilot to a reality show. Can you, can you speak on that? Or is that like on the hush? You know, it's funny that you say that. I can't speak on that. <laughs> you can? I cannot. No, I, I signed a, a confidentiality agreement. Until when, eh? Well, the the show is in production. It's a brand new show. But I will say this, that um, something sort of fell on my lap where I was scouted, or I guess that's the word, scouted for a, a reality show on the network, on the NBC network, which is going to be a pretty unique survival type show which would have included myself in it as part of the cast. Now, that's all I can say, but but I can't say anything else after that because I signed an agreement. But Is Jennifer Lawrence in it, eh? Because <laughs> no. don't do it if it's her, Holmes. <laughs> anyway, um, look out. I'll, I'll let you know when it does happen. I did not make the cut, but I did. I was one of the finalists. Out uh, of how many, man? Out of uh, over a thousand. Orale. Um Well, thousands, they said. Um, I was one of, t- of the 11 last finalists that they um, looked at. And, and then they saw that you were Mexican. They're going, nah, he's going <laughs> to skip. He's going to leave town. But uh, I didn't make it. I don't want to talk about it. because. But thanks for bringing it up, dude. I don't want to talk about there it. Go, I don't want to talk about my fails. You, see, you can't, you, can't, um, you can't say that you said anything. You kept your secret. I did. But by the way, I, this, I did not seek this out. It fell on my lap. I've never wanted to be in front of the camera. But the, the way... I'm glad you didn't make it. The eh? way that, it seemed kind of... Really, don't give out, don't give away anything. But the the reason why I did uh, decide to go and continue with the uh, casting process was because of the uniqueness of it and my role in it. And when the show comes out, you'll understand why. But um, that's all I can say, dude. I can't say anything. I think it's really cool because when the show comes out eh, and it's all popular and shit, you already said that you were almost on it. Huh? <laughs> that's as good as I being was on there. Almost on that show. Guys. Uh-huh. That's the story of my life. That's like, you know, the, the you know when you almost scored on that chick, I almost had her in. <laughs> Made it to first base. Yeah, she gave me her number and it was somebody else's. <laughs> <laughs> I've had that happen I'm to sorry, me. I've done that before. I apologize. Oh, you better what's apologize. Your, what's your fake name that you give out? Nancy. Nancy. You don't look like a Nancy. <laughs> I don't look like a Nancy? I no. I thought Nancy worked with me because I, well, I don't really have brown hair anymore, but I used to have dark hair. And I just felt like Nancy goes with a brunette. And no. I always went with Nancy. Doesn't go with you. I think Nancy's are blonde. The funny thing is that I fucking hate this girl from middle school. And her name was Nancy. So I don't know why I go That's by Nancy. That's probably why. Because you want to give this guy a fake person that you hate. Yeah. Throw this, this, yeah. I, don't, I don't know why. But I have given my wrong number to some people in the past. And I'm sorry. Uh, here's what I have to say about that. I, I just didn't want to talk bro, to you. I'm sorry, bro. I But this is what I have to say about this. Just be honest. Say mm-hmm. no, because guys are delusional. You give them something, but they we won't do. Be. We are. We are but delusional. we are. We are. T- we are being honest by you giving the wrong number. No, we're being honest. No, with that's you. dishonest. You know? Just straight up be honest. Be re- show but when you respect. call that number and somebody else picks up, that's, they, that's a pretty obvious no, right there. No, no that's. I a, guess that's that's, a, a, that's like a delayed reaction. No, right there, eh? That's a. You know ah, what? I gave this guy a bogus number. <laughs> At least as long as it's not a sustained release, you know, where you text them later on, I said no again. But wouldn't you rather get that no when you're calling 
this girl it's, it's, when you're at home versus like when you get the phone number like at a bar or at a restaurant. You know what? That's very thoughtful of you. That way you could go back to your friends and kind of no. oh, got the number. Yeah. No. And then later on, no, we, didn't, we didn't give you any embarrassment of like, no, I'm not going to give you my number. That's embarrassing. No, here's That's the deal. Versus nice I give you my number. You're excited. You look cool in front of everyone else. But when you get no, home, you realize it's me the wrong favor. number. You're not doing me any favors. I think that you got to. Here's the deal. Here's the problem with men nowadays. I'm, there's I'm not enough, on that. There's not enough men out there. They're all boys. They That's need true. to grow up. I tell my daughter. Except Sandro. Right? I, raised my, yes. I raised my daughters <laughs> to telling them, letting them know that was a, when guys are interested and they're not, give them, be, um, you're, you're teaching them. You're, you're teaching them how to grow up fast because they're going to get a lot of no's. If they don't learn to take a no, they never grow up. So we have a lot of men that are out there playing video games and stupid crap like that that never learn to be men. And no's and turn downs is part of being a man. It's part of growing up and being a man. Is it, um, <laughs> does it build your character? It, bu- it builds character. I know. Look at me. <laughs> I, I still that's, get no's. That's a thin line there, though, because, you know. <laughs> It's a thin line. You know what? You're I, a perfect I, example. Jose. I'm a perfect example. Why don't we ask our? I don't know if that's a self-deprecating or if I'm being conceited. What? One of the two. <laughs> Go ahead, brother. Let's ask our listeners, please. If you, uh, our female listeners, uh, please tell us how you reject a man, and we'll tell you if it's, uh, you know, we'll give it a thumbs up. Or, or a thumbs guy down. listeners, what was, you know, their no rejection? Yes, I want to know. I think it's harder for guys to say no. I think you know. I think by the time I think a guy could keep saying no, and they have already, and the girls already done a home run, eh? You know what I mean? I don't get it. It's hard to say no to a girl. Okay. Why? What I'm saying is like, it it is. It's really hard to say go to a no because because girls can go you know kind of whack, eh? You know like fatal attraction, mm. and then you don't want to hurt their feelings, you know? Yeah. Well, we don't want to hurt your feelings. No, either. it's angel. See, you're you're falling right into that one too. No, I'm, no, but the guy, you know, the girl. I think the girl has a little bit of like on purpose. She likes to do it. I think a girl inside of you, you like to say no yes. to the guy. Yes. The the ones that the one, especially the ones that you can't stand. But us, mm. like us guys, when there's a girl, you know, particularly if it if you're there and it's her birthday and it's and it's uh she's and it's at a club that's closed and it's only for guests. And uh, and she's the guest of honor, and she, and she invited you, and next thing you know, she's introducing you to all her friends as if you were her date, and this is only the first time you ever went with her, and and then at you know, and she's totally lit up, and then by the end of the night, she's kissing on you, and you don't know what to do. You know, that's just an example. That's you know? quite a scenario. <laughs> that's a that's that's a my, really vivid. How, how do you say no example. to that? My brother has Everybody's, been fantasizing about this. Everybody, over everybody <laughs> looking at you like you better not break her heart, and you're like with your hands down saying, "I'm not leading her on," but inside of you is like, "How? What did I do to lead her on? I'm a stud." <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it's time for shout outs. <laughs> and I'm going to give a shout out to uh, uh, the birthday girl. And uh, I'm going to tell your name. Bleep, bleep, bleep. Uh, shout out to you. <laughs> also, <laughs> I want to. <laughs> Apparently, this person doesn't want anybody to know. This oh, was a long okay. time ago, okay? Anyways, I, um, I, I want to give another shout out to my uh, co worker. And uh, uh, you're pretty awesome, Elizabeth Reese. 
And uh, no, that's not like Reese Witherspoon. That Witherspoon, that's like Reese in, in, like in Hispanic. What's up, homegirl? Also, a, uh, a shout out to our friends in Australia, Tim and Kim of the Mojo Blues Band. Hey, awesome. Hopefully they come by and come on our they're, show again. They're planning on coming back to the U.S. and on our show. They put out a new uh, documentary. Check it out. We put it on our Facebook today. Also, to one of our regular listeners, A. Holmes, Feliciano Leon. What's up, hey? Also, uh, shout out to some uh, people I don't think I've said hi, uh, hi to before. Brian Bruder, Caroline Hertwig. Also, Roz Richardson, hi again. I want to give a shout out to Ava. I know you're there, baby. What's up, Ava? She- yeah, she doesn't let anyone know she's listening until she has something to say. Love you, baby. Uh, also, I want to give a shout out to my baby girl, Samantha, my daughter. Hey, happy birthday, 25 on Monday. Eh? Happy birthday, Sammy. Happy She's birthday. The, yeah, quarter of a century, huh? <laughs> She's so beautiful. I look good, don't I? <laughs> and so does, of course, Samantha. And Samantha yeah. does, too. I also want to give a shout out to Kanye West. Hey, hey man, give this to Beyonce, Holmes. <laughs> what? You got any shout outs? To Kanye West. <laughs> <laughs> I want to give a shout out to the crew out in the investigative unit at KNBC. Uh, James Wolf, you've been working like a dog, uh, hence the appropriate name, Wolf. Uh, Randy Mack, uh, Jacqueline, um, Amy Grover, Goldberg, all you guys rocking, of course, Trader. Thanks for letting me play with you guys. What's up? <laughs> Anyways, your shout outs are brought to you by Aladdin's Junior Mediterranean Cuisine and Concert Venue. Uh, they got the. Uh, Mediterranean cuisine and a great selection of beer. They also have music on the weekends. It's in downtown Pomona in the Arts Colony on 2nd Street. It's pretty good, eh? Check it out. Tell them the twins sent you. All right, we'll be right back with the news and dirty laundry.
as your loca host of Maz TV. Just wanted to check in with y'all and let you know to catch our show every Saturday at 8.30 a.m. on Channel 20, DirecTV, Dish, and AT&T Uverse. Tune in. Adrian! 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 Adrian, I did it! <laughs> Mickey! <laughs> Mickey! <laughs> You're nothing. You're just a two-bit loser. Welcome back to Twin Thought with Jose and Angel. I'm Jose. And I'm Angel. <laughs> <laughs> and we are broadcasting live from Theo Luce's Garage on TwinTalkCast.com. And we're also doing it out of uh, uh, Live365.com, which is the largest internet radio network in the world. Look for Twin Talk Cast Radio. <laughs> the reason why you hear this awesome music, uh, the theme from Rocky Gonna Fly Now, is because tonight, stay tuned, filmmakers of an awesome documentary that's about to come out called Score, about the composers and scores of favorite films, that, your favorite films like, you know, Batman, and I mean, you just name it, Hans Zimmer's in it, um, um, Star Wars, D- Danny Elfman, John Williams, all these great composers. I've seen the trailer; it's fantastic. The filmmakers Matt Schrader and Trevor Thompson are going to be here tonight to talk about that, to talk about their project, and also they will share with us some of their favorite themes. Here's one of mine. <laughs> Anyway, so, you know what's one of my favorite scenes in this movie? Remember the scene um, where Rocky, you know, Rocky has been... First of all, the movie starts out when Rocky shows up and he's been kicked out of his locker. Seven <laughs> years I've been in this locker and you pull me in the skid row. <laughs> the skid row is a section in the locker room where they just hang your bag on a, on a hook and that's where all the bottom tier boxers have their... You're nothing. And he's like, I've been here for seven years, and I'm, I can't do Rocky. <laughs> and you put me on skid row. So, 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 so Mickey and him get into a fight. Mickey's like, you're nothing. You could have been something, but you're nothing. You're just a two-bit loser working for a con or whatever, you know? So he's mad at Mickey. Then later on, as you know, he gets the opportunity to fight Apollo Creed, and Mickey comes knocking at his door. Oh, man. What an awesome scene. Yeah. When Mickey goes in and says, you need a manager. You see, look at this guy right here. I got it. With this guy put, and he, and he hit me and I had blood. But, you know, I could have I could have bid something, but I, I needed a manager, Rocky. And Rocky's like, no, I don't need a manager, man. I don't need a manager. So you know what he does? Rocky, this is an amazing scene. Rocky finally says, you don't, you know, get out of here. He he gets into this, his, his bathroom and Mickey is despondent, grabs his hat. No, opens the door to the apartment as he's about to leave uh, Rocky's apartment and forgets his hat. So he closes the door to turn around and grab his hat. Rocky comes out and he sees him again and he goes back into the bathroom, slams the door on him. Mickey is sad and upset. And so he starts walking down the steps out to, onto the street. This scene is, fa- is awesome because there's a wide shot of the street. No words are said. You see Rock, uh, Mickey walking away from camera down the street until he's a little speck on the, on the screen. And as he's walking out, Rocky's like, he's like, oh, now you want to be my manager? He says, you know, 15 years, you've never been to my apartment. Look at my apartment. It's just me and the turtles or something like that. <laughs> and now you got me in Skid Row. And you want me to be a manager? He's yelling at him the whole time. And finally, it's quiet. And the scene is still a wide shot. Rocky runs out of his apartment and runs away from camera to Mickey as he stands under a streetlight. You don't see what they're talking about. 
you only see body language and you know that they've made up, made friends. No dialogue necessary. <laughs> it's awesome, dude. It's awesome, dude. It's the best one because that that first movie looks like the most like it's it's got the it, it just looks real. It just well, looks that's more genuine. And know? that's what our topic is tonight. We're going to be talking about music scores in film. We're going to have our special guests, uh, Matt Schrader and Trevor Thompson, filmmakers of an awesome documentary. Check it out. It's called Score. You can catch the trailer online, and they're going to be with us uh, tonight. So check that out. Stand by uh, for that. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Talk about a music score. Now we have the background music with that guttural beat and that low bass that grabs you from the loins and says, it's time to listen. It's now time for the girl with the pink headphones. Multimedia uh, journalist uh, uh, from Telemundo and NBC. The only girl in radio who rocks it hard <laughs> and gives you the slap. Yes. The girl with the skinny on all the news and dirty laundry. It's Jackie Casas with yeah. the news and dirty laundry. Yay. What's up, Jackie? Hi, guys. Hi, Jackie. I love that play-by-play of that Rocky scene. It's a great scene. If you haven't seen that film in a while, go back and rent that film. Can I be 100% honest with you and tell you I've never seen any of the Rocky films? What? Yes. What? Really? I've never seen any of them. It's a phenomenon. I know. It's really weird. There's a lot of movies that I haven't seen in my life that I'm not too embarrassed to share, but there's a lot of them that I haven't seen. Well, yeah. I will say this. Uh, those Rocky, that Rocky franchise eventually became a, character, a caricature of himself, um, but the first film, and even the second film are okay, but the first film, understand that it's a well-written story of a guy who never quite achieved what he wanted and that was not necessarily to be a big prize fighter which obviously every boxer wants to be but to feel important about himself so Rocky kicks I mean Mickey kicks him out of the locker into the skid row as they call it and even the kid down the street some little tomboy girl that he tries to he tries to straighten out because she's hanging out with a bad crowd flips him off like he's getting no respect anywhere I remember when it would come out on TV I would see the the scenes where he was fighting the the white guy, yeah, and uh, I don't know, it was really, it made me really sad. Like I was like, I can't see it because there's blood. Okay, I'm giving you homework this weekend. You've got to I watch. Don't watch the other one. Watch the first one. It's a story about a man trying to find worth in himself. All he wants to do is last. 15 rounds against this guy. That's all. He doesn't even care about winning. He I, wants to feel. I trip oh, out on his brother or Adrian's brother, dude. He he spanks his sister. Oh. <laughs> it's a great story of an underachiever who just wants to feel uh, uh, like he's achieved something in his life. And uh, I movie. will watch it, and I will what, keep at bay the the sort of what Sylvester Stallone looks like now. Yeah. and, and yeah. the that one movie that he's out in. Uh, well, the, you know, the Defenders or something. Well, you know, he remember. wrote he wrote the screenplay, or he wrote the no, he wrote the film. He wrote yeah. the film. He wrote the film, and he and and he said the the only way that the um, the studios would have it is if he starred in it because they didn't want to have him on there. It's it's amazing. It's amazing to even think about the fact that he wrote that film, and it was such an amazing film, and it won an Oscar. So, yes. It's just amazing. So I will add it to my to-do. Is it on Netflix? Because I really only watch anything that's on Netflix. Yes, it's on Netflix. If it's not, I will let you borrow the DVD. 
<laughs> it is one of the best films ever written. It's a great story of a man just trying I to be. I agree with you. I'm convinced, Jose. The rest of the films, they went downhill, but they were still fun. But they're not. They don't add up to what Rocky the original was. It was an amazing film. But anyway, that was as you heard fanfare to Rocky early on, and hey, that was like. Hey, uh, our, our next guest just came in. They're they're like young producers, eh? I, they're they're dynamos. I told you, <laughs> dynamos. We don't have anything but dynamos. Can you open your button shirt? And look at that big D on your shirt. <laughs> Thanks for coming, guys. We'll be with you in a little while. We got to get to the news and yes, good let's laundry. Get started, we're so guys. behind. Yes, we're super behind. Let's get started and talk about this huge topic that has come about in news this week. A federal judge has granted a request by twenty six states to temporarily block President Obama's executive action on illegal immigration. This would allow a lawsuit aimed at permanently stopping the orders to make its way through the courts. U.S. District Judge Andrew Hannon granted the preliminary injunction just yesterday after hearing arguments in Brownsville, Texas last month. This is... Sorry. Sorry, Jackie. We were talking about how you give guys your... Before you... The guys that you would reject... And you would give them a fake phone number? Uh-huh. This is the same thing. They're going to keep coming anyways, eh? <laughs> I don't get the correlation, a, bro. I get it. Accompanying his, uh, his order that the lawsuit uh, should go forward, um, he wrote a preliminary injunction that states the uh, the 26 states will suffer irreparable harm in this case. The first of Obama's orders, which was to expand a program that protects young immigrants from deportation if they were brought to the U.S. illegally as the children. This was set to start to take uh, effect tomorrow, Wednesday. The other part of Obama's order was uh, to extend deportation protections to parents of U.S. citizens and permanent residents who have been in the country um, was not expected to begin until May. The The operative phrase is 26 states. That's half more than half of the states of America. Are they the red, are, the red states? I, mm. I, I, I would venture to say that most of them are, if not. But the point is this, bro, that at least half of the states in the United States of America disagree with the president's overreach in his immigration <laughs> policy <laughs> and with his executive order. And that enough, that should be, if, if we are truly a democracy, that enough should say, okay, Mr. President, we don't agree with this. Just like the Obama, I mean, the Affordable Care Act, at least half of the states, or at least half of the Americans did not agree with it, yet he shoved it everyone, down everyone's throat. I mean, come on, this is, the, we, need, we live in a democracy and this is a republic. Okay, and thus we should the president, if he, which by the way the the White House's uh, pledges to appeal this, really pisses me off. I mean the the court has spoken, the states have spoken. That's all I've got to say. You know, um, I, I think that uh, a lot of the uh, illegal immigrants, uh, if they've heard of it, they're laughing about it because. They're, still, they're not going it, anywhere. It doesn't matter to them. You know? It doesn't because they're not going and, anywhere. And the ones that are in, in south of the border en route over here, <laughs> they're laughing at it too. Okay, well, let me it's give you- It's a waste of time and it's a waste of taxpayers' money. Uh, um, uh, this what, it, what is? The, uh, people fighting this, these these 26 states that you, you're talking about because- the you know, and I, I'm going to sound like a broken record because you've heard this before from not just me, everyone, you know, I mean, the, the economy- is built on on this on on the way that we um, that we utilize the illegal uh, immigrants. Okay, the exploitation, the exploitation of, of illegal, uh, and not only them but us as well. Uh, legal people, that, you know, citizens, we're exploited as well. But uh, 
you know, so it's going to continue happening. I think it's just a, a, a thing that all these uh, politicians in these 26 states are doing just just to just to kind of get their votes and say, yeah, we got your back, voters. We got your it, back. Because the bottom they're line, pandering. this is the same thing. There you go. That's the word. This is the same thing every year. It's so funny it, that you should mention, you know, it's Angel. Funny. It's funny that you mentioned it's a waste of taxpayer money. Um, I, I won't get into the whole you know burden that the um, illegal immigrants uh, are, but I will say this, that, uh, you know, um, as I'm referencing news, coastnews.com, IRS to pay refunds to illegal immigrants. Uh, there's a loophole in the IRS, um, um, in the IRS, whatever refund system that states that these, uh, immigrants that are now receiving, um, uh, what I think they're called emergency social security numbers or something because the, the president has given them in like pretty much amnesty. Um, they're going to be eligible to receive uh, earned income credit and refunds, even though they haven't worked in the last three years in the United States. So that alone is... You're saying that illegal a- aliens, or excuse me, immigrants are getting... Let me read it to you. Let me read it to you. As many as four million illegal immigrants may now receive work permits and social security numbers under President Obama's uh, temporary deportation amnesty program. Okay, and because of that, the the earned income tax credit program allows low income workers to apply for IRS refunds. If low income illegal immigrants can prove that they worked, whether on the books or off the books, they can receive tax refunds from earned income credits for working. Yeah, but dude, you could work uh, six months and get an earned income tax credit. Why not? I mean, if you pay taxes, get it. A lot of get it for the year, bro. You get an earned income tax credit. Based for on up what to you three make. years. Based yeah. on what you make, man. Yeah. I know, I know. The maximum <laughs> annual credit for non-taxpayers is between 500 to $600 per individual. I, it just, I don't know, man. It just it, it doesn't it, make sense. It gives me a, it me it gives me a, like a like a sour taste in my mouth if I'm pinching my pennies uh uh, uh <clears throat> where you know where you know where blah, blah. if I'm pinching my pennies where conceivably people need it. You know what I mean? I'm going to pay taxes, right, every year. So I prefer my taxes going to people who need it. Okay, here's a solution. Or might need it rather than, you know, some politician or some war or, you know, okay, how's, or some here, private company. Okay, here's a solution. You know, some bailout. So, you know, what I'm saying is this: we're wasting our time and money talking about this when we should really be going after our the people that are really Here's a solution. If the, if the president the really cared about that silent minority out there or whatever, the people live in the shadows or whatever, if he really cares <laughs> about the immigration or the reform, true immigration reform is this. Why not just facilitate the visas applications already? The ones that are in, in, embroiled in, 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 in red tape, the ones that take years to get where people are going through the proper channels. Why not expedite those instead of getting uh, instead of um, um, rewarding those who broke the law, it doesn't. It's, that's a good point. Wrong. That's it's a, good a very, point. like you said, it's a very uh, long process and it's a very costly process. And um, unfortunately, the countries where these people are coming from, there's an urgency of safety where they are living, and that's why they flee over here in the sense that they feel like they can at least leave from countries such as El Salvador where basically the gangs run the streets. There's a process the for that too. And they run the government. There's also a process to, for that. You Which don't immediately hand out. Uh, yeah, you don't all, so. you don't immediately hand out 
you know, social security cards and what have you. You just don't. So this appeal <laughs> by the... You, they uh, take you to Marietta. Be, but, <laughs> but we're talking about immigrants that are already here, that have been here for a long, long mm-hmm. time illegally. Mm-hmm. Whatever happened to the president's uh, words uh, that he said, well, we're going to make them pay a penalty for, for what they've done. Oh, yeah, that went by way of you can keep your health care if you like it. Yeah, it's like that one. Go ahead. The appeal by the administration <laughs> will be handled by the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals in New Orleans, uh, for this to um, go ahead and go through. Oh, it's going from, uh. a, from a red state to a, <laughs> a blue state. Huge, huge news for the um, huge news. immigration I community. think it's a victory for, um, for America. That it's going to the fifth court of appeals? That, that it's been, that it's been um, stopped by the court. Absolutely. The president can make an executive order on something like that, especially when half of America disagrees. You know, I mean, that's not a democracy. You know, but let's move on. Let's move on to some <laughs> other story that's been um, it's been around in the news as well. It's uh, Brian Williams, anchor of uh, or former anchor of NBC Nightly News, has been suspended. Uh. NBC Nightly News with Brian Williams is now officially just the NBC Nightly News. The network is continuing to comb through past news reports and public appearances by Williams, looking for examples of misstatements. This all came after the whole debacle of Brian Williams retelling the story that happened on a Iraq war mission in 2003. Some staff members have lost confidence in NBC management to navigate through the crisis. In the meantime, uh, Lester Holt has been put in as the replacement of the show. Okay, look, look, look I'm going to say something, but you know, I'm surrounded with like people from the television right here. <laughs> but like, like he's like the first one to ever lie, right? <laughs> you know what? He's probably not. But it was such a huge well, you know, fuck up really. Let me tell you. <laughs> on his end. Yeah, he messed up, you know. He didn't he didn't uh, he didn't stick to his lie. He should have stuck to his lie. Here's the deal with Here's the deal with Brian. Here's Here's my issue with that. Here's the problem. Okay. As long as the networks are working hard to get personalities versus journalists in front of the camera, then you might have this issue. I think that Brian Williams yeah. <laughs> suffered from a performance issue. Notice that he he attended like 30 or 40 or 50 episodes of like all these talk shows. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, Walter Cronkite and Brokaw did their share of talk shows, but who did as, as many as those? And he um, reportedly by he, uh, some of the cast from SNL and Fallon and all they have all said that he has amazing comedic timing, which tells me he's a comedian. He's a performer. And look, I, I'm not going to take away his accomplishments, but I think he forgot when to, he started forgetting when to take off his performance hat. He realizes that when he goes on talk shows, he feels he needs to perform and, and be a per- personality. And um, I'm sorry, but you are a journalist and you are representing uh, one of the largest networks ever with a, you know, a, and, you're, and you're not allowed to have a personality, but you're not supposed to be a personality. <laughs> You know, and yeah. but then again, I hear you. But you but know, then the of, networks are—that's what they're hiring. But a lot of people they 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 look up to these uh, television yes. uh, news anchors and reporters, and as if they were uh, these uh, stars, and uh, they they live and breathe by that. You know. Well, the thing is this: of I, I course, think, I think they should suspend all of CNN. Well, why CNN? It's his NBC. 
No, because CNN, they're full of liars there too, man. <laughs> Stop suspending them over there across the I board. The question this. with Brian Williams is if he's going to come back after his six-month suspension. I don't think so. I don't think you don't he think survive so? it. I don't think the network should have him back. I, I, I really don't. He'll probably go to a, 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 a mark my words, he's going to have a night show. I, I a talk show. A, well, he a wanted night one. A night one. He he's he want, have, he wanted like a comedy night, late night show. Like a late night show. No, yeah. when Jay Leno was step was going away, he asked for Jay Leno's job. Did he really? Yes, he actually mentioned. Yes, he did. Did That's he? That's terrible. Did he really? Yes, he clearly. I mean, he clearly has um, aspirations to be a performer versus as well as a journalist, I guess. But the thing is, he blurred the lines. And you know, I think that there's more blame to go around because he was telling these lies for a long time. And don't tell me he was on that Black Hawk helicopter or whatever it was by himself. It wasn't a Black Hawk, but he, he had a crew there. He it, had producers there. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Why did they let him? Well, the ones that put him on blast were the, the uh, soldiers that were on that mission uh-huh. that were shot down. Mm-hmm. There wasn't the producers that came forward. It was the soldiers. It was the soldiers that finally said, wait a minute. We were on that helicopter. I don't you remember weren't. seeing you. <laughs> like- that, I, I saw a tweet that he was on the Malaysia Airlines. Eh? <laughs> um, uh, here's another thing, too, that he actually he actually told a story. <laughs> that's, that's when he got caught. He actually told a story on, on Letterman about having received an envelope from one of his, quote, friends, implying that this friend was one of the SEAL, SEAL Team 6 guys who killed Osama bin Laden. Um, and as you know, one of those uh, Black Hawk helicopters was shot down um, as during the mission mm-hmm. and uh, thus exploded intentionally by the military. And he claimed to have received, I saw this clip where he told David Letterman that he received an envelope unsigned by a friend, quote, the SEAL Team 6 friend, uh, that had a piece of the wreckage in it. Really? Yes. Of the why though? Of the the Black Hawk helicopter that was shot down and exploded by the military, in, <laughs> in the compound where they where they killed Osama bin. That Lai. guy's adding a lot of salsa. To his and he actually friend. said that. I'm watching this and I could not more salsa, please. <laughs> I can't believe this guy. And here's the thing: um, I, they interviewed a SEAL a SEAL team member who said. Uh, not of the seal, not of Team Six, but a SEAL team member, and he said that is preposterous. That not only bless you, bless you, bless you. Thank not you. only is it is it uh, uh, preposterous, they would never have a reporter embedded with them because it's uh, top secret. They they conceal their faces and the, even the apparatus that they use, the weapons and everything. That's all top secret. So it would be highly improbable. It's not stupid if that was if you know that that happened. Chuck Norris wouldn't have let him go, man. <laughs> <laughs> I so. actually really liked Brian Williams. Me too. But this makes me kind of sad because I feel like, you know, he was he thought he was you know all chingon and stuff, <laughs> and now it's blown up in his face. <laughs> you know the the thing is is it was allowed to go on. Aren't people watching him on the talk shows? I mean. I'm sorry. I believed it when but he said these things. look at Anderson Cooper. Anderson Cooper hosts the New Year's Eve countdown. I agree. Countdown. That's I think it's guy, ridiculous. That's the guy with the white hair, right? I agree. I think it's ridiculous. Now, that, that I, guy is total straight up, and I'm not kidding you, CIA. <laughs> he is. I know. I've heard that one. He He's was straight up CIA. He, he, I heard that one, too. Yeah, Him and that. Chuck Berry, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Chuck Barris, you mean. Barris, yeah. Remember <laughs> he used to do the dance? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I was a kid. <laughs> Well, here's the deal. No, I, I agree with he you. He is old. What's his I, name? 
Chuck Barris and no, Anderson Cooper. Anderson Cooper is I agree. totally CIA. Like a CNN la- this weekend had a, a game show where he yeah. was the host, and the and the it's ridiculous. Yeah, we got to go back to journalists. I don't care what they look like, male, female, black or white. If they're legit journalists, put them on. Bring back Howard Cosell, man. I'm Howard Cosell. He was a sportscaster. <laughs> <laughs> he was awesome, dude. He was. He was. Did, awesome. You know what was it in December <laughs> when sportscaster? Uh, <laughs> when when, when the, not long ago, I heard the uh, the the live report uh, during one sporting event when John Lennon was killed, and it was him uh, uh, talking about it. It was pretty sad. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen from the Beatles. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Strawberry Fields himself <laughs> was shot in his front door. <laughs> uh, bring back the sports cast. <laughs> anyway, uh, Brian Williams, uh, sorry, dude. I respected uh, you and your body of work. You've uh, tarnished it, and you've, in the same token, you've done that to everyone else who worked at NBC. Yep. Move on. Sorry. Not Move on. Sorry. <laughs> Moving on to some Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, dale. The big screen debut of Fifty Shades of Grey set box office records this weekend. But one California movie theater um, is not that happy about it. So there's a Sacramento drive-in movie theater that's playing the film. And apparently the film can be seen off the highway. So all of a those... drive-in? Yes. So all of those XXX nice. scenes... Uh, can be seen when you're driving on the highway. Now, and people are upset because it can cause accidents and distractions because, as we know, this movie is very um, uh, hardcore on some it, particular is it Have you seen it? So, no, I didn't see it. I read the books, Check but I it. haven't seen it. I heard that the movie is much more fluffier than the books. Of course. But then again, I heard some reviews um, on TV. One of them said that the the main actri- um, actress, Dakota Johnson, was basically naked the whole movie. Now, so I can't imagine it Let's being go that over there and uh, and stand outside across the street and put words to this movie. Okay. Since you can't hear it. Here's, uh, do you, and, uh, Jose, do you, know, do you know why women love, do you know why women love Fifty Shades of Grey so much? I don't know why, because it has to do with a guy who stalks a woman, and then it's all about bad, uh, BDSM, sadomasochism, whatever, bondage and masochism and all that stuff. And he's a stalker. I, I thought women creep out okay, on these he's, things. The thing is... What is it that women I heard, like about I heard, the book? I, okay, in the book, yes. He's a little traumatized, and this is why he goes into this whole submissive, he, dominant thing. Right. But so he has these submissives that they sign contracts and he gets to basically do whatever he wants with them in the red room. But with this particular girl, he falls in love with. So he falls in love with her. And that's where the romantic sort of slash. But wasn't he stalking her? This girl at my job, she said, I read the book twice. I read the book twice. But women are. are, (laughs) I asked her, (laughs) when you turn the pages, do you have to lick your fingers? Uh. Oh, That's disgusting. That's disgusting. <laughs> anyway, here's what I want to know about this: If women are so hypersensitive nowadays to to, um, uh, do you know why they love it so much? Is that are you asking me because you want to tell me? Do no, you know I why? I know I don't. Why? Beats me. Pump. I don't get it. It's about BDSM. Oh, whatever, dude. Pum-pum. That's not funny, dude. But anyway, about- <laughs> anyway, move on. Here's what I have to say about. It. Here, I want to. Uh, okay. Uh, see now I've lost my train of thought. Beats but me. there was an actual there the over so this Get movie it? was released last Angel, week. Angel, dude, stop. 
<laughs> it went over dead. He keeps laughing about it. There is an SM community that was actually really upset about this movie and how it sets the tone on sort of reflecting the SM community and the whole bondage thing, how it's in the movie, it's perceived as kind of him being mentally ill. But the SM community are saying that it's a it's a sexual orientation. Not this illness. is how they are. This is what they're this is Look, I got nothing against that. Do your thing. What I'm saying is women in this day and age are so hypersensitive over stalkers that even the most the nicest, most docile guy who <laughs> docile. The, the most docile, <laughs> normal guy who might say something a certain way, the girl will get creeped out on it and it because of stalkers. But then they in read the context this, but of then the they book, read this book about this guy who <laughs> basically stalked the Okay, girl. but you have to understand in the context of the book, he's super hot and he's like a multi That's all that that's all that matters, right? You could stalk so, him at if you're he's rich, stalking you, know, you, but he shows up in his fucking private jet. Like, that's kind of cool. If you're uh-huh. being stalked by a guy who's a private uh-huh. jet. See, that's a double standard. So, so you would give him a real standard. phone number then. <laughs> <laughs> so Not say to say they would give him my real phone number, but just to give you in the context of the book. So he's. But he's not stalking her necessarily. Well, he does maybe stalk in some her. Scenes, he does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he, he, like, rescues her from other scenes in the book and he basically shows up in his private he car has, and he, money. he protects her and he's super duper duper hot let's b- remind yourselves that he's super hot so <laughs> things kind of sort of fade away so women just will let that slide if there's a creepy stalker who wants to tie them up but so dominate really like, so, as long as he's rich and he's hot. So but, what, come on, women. But you he, can't have it. he ties her up, but initially he's she doesn't like it. There's there's see, see, see what I'm saying? Book. See, she doesn't like it. She doesn't like <laughs> the kind of. But she goes she, back for more because she's intrigued. She's curious because she's kind of sort of never been into that world. She's a virgin. That's something totally foreign for her. So she's intrigued by it and she's curious. So the first time it happens, she doesn't like it. See, that goes back to my. Go ahead, bro. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go, that goes back to my thing about women, what we were talking about earlier. We were talking I didn't about, mean that. We were talking about how, we were talking about how I, I don't think women should give away a fake number to a guy that they just want to brush off. Just say the truth. You know what? Thank you very much. I'm flattered. I'm not interested. Look him in the eye. Give him that much dignity. It's a double standard because, you know, uh, when you're talking about this guy who has all the money in the world, he could be a creep and you keep going back for more. A really hot As one. long as he's rich and he's hot. You know what I'm saying? But how about the nice... But there was an attraction. She had an attraction to him. So yes, he was kind of stalking her, but she was attracted to him. <laughs> she was intrigued by him. So... Every girl's naughty, dude. Every one of them are bad. Yeah, they're all bad girls. It's a big facade. Hey, so what are they doing over in Sacramento over there at the uh, at that drive-in? Well, they're pissed. They want them to not show the movie <laughs> at the drive-in because they're driving by with their husbands I and their families. I forgot about the story. <laughs> They're they're driving by with their husbands and their families, and there's you know hanky panky going on. Just- Remember when we were kids and The Exorcist came on, yeah, and we drive by the the the, the drive-in, drive-in and you could see that evil face and that throw up scene. Yeah, it was, it was scary. Yeah, it was scary. It, it was traumatized scary. me. I was a kid. I was traumatized. It was traumatizing. It was. Tra- <laughs> <laughs> I wonder who scored that film. Angel was like, "We'll yeah. ask our experts." <laughs> okay, guys. So let's move on to our next story. Uh, so this has to do with CrossFit. As you guys know, it's a new trendy workout where you uh, it's propped up all over the country. You work out really hardcore. And it uh, seems like they've come up with a new drink to help them out with their workouts. And they've been uh, hitting up some women, pregnant women or 
women that have just given birth <laughs> because they want to drink breast milk. Nice. Breast milk has become their new drink of choice, Energy? not Gatorade, not water. Breast milk, according to some bodybuilder CrossFit fetish people, they're saying that it's full of nutrients. It is. Of course and, it is. Uh, and can help out with their workouts. So this is a story that's just come out uh, where there's been men who are and milk looking, that just come out. Men oh who are particularly looking for women who are willing to sell their breast milk to them. Wow. Yes. So some CrossFit gyms have no idea about it. It's just barely coming out. Um, but the doctors are saying that Breast milk isn't isn't designed for bodybuilders. It's designed for babies to receive those nutrients. But the baby, it's not going to do anything for you. But special. have you ever seen a baby grow? It's building body pretty fast, baby. <laughs> oh, you know, I'm gonna tell my wife we're doing a couple of months. Eh? I'm gonna tell her, hey, you gotta you know pump some extra milk there. We can pay for the diapers. Oh, God. Well, uh, this is yeah, that's what they're doing. They're paying for this breast milk, and doctors are saying that there's nothing special that the breast milk will do for you. But there are some, of course, the doctors CrossFit would say that, followers right? <laughs> that swear that this is what pumps them up for their hardcore workout watch after a couple of months of my wife lactating you're gonna see me looking at the rock uh, yeah, yeah. i'm gonna come in here looking like the rock <laughs> 50 shades this baby you know i got no problem with breast milk dude it rocks <laughs> it's a, it's a dude i've had four kids i know this stuff so the other it's, especially at the beginning it's its most sweetest <laughs> right after yes right after right after you don't childbirth. add any you don't add any cinnamon no cinnamon, cinnamon nothing, nothing dude don't even to, no. are you supposed how to about, wait a while how about some that? tequila no. put some tequila in it <laughs> it's the goods eggnog eh? <laughs> so they sell them and it seems like their prices vary from two dollars to five dollars an ounce there was one oh, there was one particular wow. woman that uh since her son was born she's made seven hundred dollars Wow. By selling her breast milk to I'm gonna talk builders. really seriously talk wow. to my wife. Say, hey, baby, because they say you got to drink beer; it makes you produce more milk or wine. I'm gonna bring some. I'm gonna bring a but twelve pack. But doesn't the today, alcohol babe. go into the breast milk? <laughs> it does. And you have to like taste it, test, test. My, my test wife, it. my wife did so, the math on this already because because you know she did the math already. Uh-huh. You can drink, you know, while you're breastfeeding, uh-huh. but it won't appear on your breasts milk. Until like, I don't know, like an hour or two later on. Okay. So, that's so you should way. drink while you're breastfeeding. Yeah. Or just kind of plan it out, you know, just a couple of hours later. That's the one that we should pump and send to $5 an ounce. Yeah. Wait, now, how, is this like a With big industry? In is this a big deal now or is it just... No, this is for just me, barely coming I'll out. I'll make it a this big is, industry. This is just barely <laughs> coming out where it's only on a couple like websites and they're considered fetish websites because it's not something kind of... I don't um, think, you know, this is weird. Popular. It's not mainstream. This, yeah, for sure. it's not mainstream. So um, this is just what's coming out. And there was a survey done by um, this uh, news organization calling up different CrossFit gyms. And they called about 30 of them. And only a few of them confirmed that they've heard that some of their actual um, CrossFit participants are involved with the breast milk um, drinking. <laughs> I don't see why they call it a... A fetish. It's like so it's natural. it's kind of weird? No, well, it's weird. Is I don't drink milk. but Okay, that's weird. Drinking <laughs> fucking cow milk. Okay? You, you know, you know, you get, you wake, you wake up. 
You're born and you start drinking your mother's milk. Yeah, that's, okay. That's natural. That's not weird. But it's only a fetish because it's not mainstream. It's not like uh, the norm. People aren't necessarily, you know, we stop, we okay. grow out of drinking out of the boob. One of the online forums where you actually can do some research on buying or selling breast milk, it's called onlythebreast.com. <laughs> Why do you always why do you always end up doing something on breasts, Jackie? I just love that one. Onlythebreast.com. Well, what else would it be from breast milk? Oh my gosh. All right. All right, moving on, guys, to our final story tonight. Um, this was something that just came up this week as well. The USDA has approved its first genetically modified apple. It's uh, given its stamp of approval. These apples apparently won't turn brown after they've been sliced. The apples were engineered by a specialty fruits company. Before approval, the USDA had to test whether the apple trees would become a uh, a pest or a threat to other plants and agriculture in the United States. Right. Uh, yeah, the yeah, approval. Like Terminator seeds. <laughs> the approval does nothing to uh, appease those opposed. To genetically engineered foods, the FDA is not required to approve genetically engineered food. It is going to a voluntary safety review process with the agency. Let me tell you, we're so like far behind and backwards here in the U.S. being supposedly like the biggest and strongest country in the whole wide world. When other countries like in like countries in Europe, even Russia, you know, uh, banning genetically modified foods and right here. We've been having it since the 90s. They also banned free speech, but that's, that's an aside. <laughs> I just think it's kind of ridiculous that they, they made this apple just so it won't turn brown. Like, there's nothing right. like Look, crazy, they, like power, nutrient rich, or anything like that. It's just so it won't turn have brown. They, have they not been to McDonald's? You can get those little ones in cellophane that have been sliced. I don't know how long. They don't turn brown. <laughs> and they feed those to the kids. Like, we've been eating apples. For a pretty long time, and they've always turned brown. brown and who cares, right? I mean, and they're still fine. And they, yeah, my kids lived. I lived. <laughs> and this is why they have created this first genetically modified apple. No, Just so I say brown. no. Remember when your parents used to say, "Don't eat the seeds; you're going to grow an apple tree in your stomach." Oh my God, my parents didn't yeah, say no, that. Our parents didn't say that. Either. Yeah, the watermelon. Don't eat the watermelon; you're going to grow a watermelon <laughs> in your stomach. No, for that me was it was kind of like, "Oh, I ate the seeds," and my dad's like. You okay? Don't worry. Angel, it was a joke, Angel. You took it literally. (laughs) That's all that I have for tonight, guys. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Jackie Casas with the news and dirty laundry straight out of Telemundo and NBC. Beats me. (laughs) Oh, my God. That was a bad joke. You're on fire. As hard as you try to ram it down your throats, only you're going to be the one laughing. It's a good one. They beat her on it, right? They tire it. Dude, let it go. Let it drop it, Angel. Drop it. Okay, we'll be right back with the filmmakers of an awesome new documentary called Score. Just in time for the Oscars. Check it out. The trailer is online. Check it out. We'll be right back.
your loca host of Maz TV. Just wanted to check in with y'all and let you know to catch our show every Saturday at 8.30 a.m. on Channel 20, DirecTV, Dish, and AT&T Uverse. Tune in. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Welcome back to Twin Talk with Jose and Angel. I'm Jose. And I'm Angel. And we are broadcasting live from Theo Luis's Garage on TwinTalkCast.com and also on Live 365. And now we've gotten to the part of the show that I like to call the Patriot Pass. Started this uh, a couple years ago during the last presidential campaign when I would post things on Facebook and my brother would tell me to shut up. And I realized that not only are we being quieted by our government, but by our peers. So I will rant about things in... uh, in in an effort to just express my opinions and in respect of yours as well, because we all should exercise our freedom of speech. And right now I'm going to rant a little bit on, on something that's going on. I didn't prepare it, but I will rant. There are terrorists in this country, and right now there is a large group that's highly financed, as we all have been hearing about. They are called ISIS, and they have been murdering, um, as they call infidels, from gays, um, and uh, other Muslims, and recently 21 Christians were killed in the beach of Li- of, of Tripoli uh, or Libya. Uh, Christians and our government has done nothing but try to quote degrade their efforts, as our president puts it. Now there was a time where people were were being slaughtered and killed, and and uh, there was a genocide. And it came to be known as the Holocaust and six million Jews. And not only Jews were killed back then, there were also gays and people that didn't fit the, um, the mold of the great white Aryan race. Um, there were gays. Uh, there were people who had mental illness. And there were people who were, uh, uh, they were Jewish. They were all being killed. And we have not, have we not learned from history? Uh, should we not do something about this? I don't have the answer. I don't think we, I know what we should, what is the exact thing to do, but I know that I wouldn't want a leader who's saying, I'm going to degrade their efforts. Imagine, imagine if the sheriff came into town because there was a bunch of bullies uh, uh, ransacking the town. He says, well, I will degrade the efforts of those bullies. What would you think about that, sheriff? I wouldn't have very much confidence either. Anyway, that's my Patriot Pass. Thanks for listening. That's my brother uh, exercising the biggest muscle in his body. (laughs) His mouth and his Patriot Pass, eh? Dude, those people are like killing everybody, huh? Yeah, they are. I think we don't. I, personally, I don't think we should do anything. Eh? I think they have a problem with us doing too much. No, we got to do we, something. We do nothing. We do nothing. We just leave those countries, and and we let them slaughter their, innocent people at their own devices. Let them slaughter innocent people at their own devices. Gays and Jews and Christians, just What's because that? they're what? not Muslim. Just because they're not Muslim. No, I'm just you know because. All we need is some politician to say, oh, let's go over there on a humanitarian thing and go save these people. But really, they're just going to go in there because of whatever reasons. Anyways, this is our music break. Uh, we're going to play Sons of Mariel. They were here with us and they performed live in Theo Luis's Garage. Here's their track, Go Away. We'll be right back. Conversations. 
I keep going back to that one. <laughs> That's a good one, brother. Welcome back to Twin Talk with Jose and Angel. I'm Jose. And I'm Angel. I'm Angel. And we're broadcasting live. Angel. We're broadcasting live from Tio Luis's Garage <laughs> on TwinTalkCast.com. And we're also doing it off the largest internet radio network in the world. That's Live365.com. Just look for our uh, radio station. It's called Twin Talk Cast Radio. That's two words. Twin Talk Cast Radio. And uh, also, you can check out all our previous podcasts. We have a lot of great shows uh, with great guests. Uh, we've had celebrities, uh, uh, musical uh, artists, and musical general, musical artists, music artists, and stuff. <laughs> Go to TwinTalkCast.com or on iTunes because we're iTwins. Okay. Yeah. Hey. Okay. So now I'm really excited. We are. Uh, we've been talking about it the whole show. Uh, you know the Oscars are coming up uh, this Sunday, and it is Oscars week. Are you working? I'm working the You're Oscars. Working the Oscars. Want to see those posts, man? I always do. Post that. You know, I almost got I almost got kicked out of the Oscars two years ago. Why? Okay, you're not supposed to tweet or social media any of the credentials. Like, you know, they give you credentials to go in. Uh-huh. So whenever I take photos, I don't always take selfies, but I, you know, because I try to do behind the scenes stuff. But when I do selfies, I try not, you're supposed to take off your credentials so no one can copy it. Uh, okay. And I had done that for several days because I worked, uh, you know, three or four days ahead of time. Uh, one night, the night before the Oscars, I get a call from my producer. Oh. She's like, Jose, did you tweet a photo with the credential? I'm like, oh, of course I didn't. Uh, she's like, uh, well, I just got off an hour and a half phone call. Whoa. I've been making phone calls for the past hour and a half trying to save your ass. Who do they got people? Uh, yes, they are. Police, they're like tweet police. They're trolling the freaking social media to make sure you're not doing that. Really? So I felt really bad because it was generally uh, it was an accident. I didn't mean to do that, and um, she saved my ass. And we will not be doing selfies. If uh, you know <laughs> from the red carpet, oh, that's well. Maybe we will, but I will not be wearing the credential. But anyway, I'm really excited. There's an awesome new documentary coming out. Uh, it's called Score, and it has to do with um, scores of your favorite films and uh, the famous fi- uh, score or composers like Hans Zimmer, um, John Williams, uh, uh, Danny Elfman. You name it. If you've got a movie that you love. It more than likely has a film score or music that goes along with it that you love. And we're not talking about soundtracks. Uh-huh. We're talking about the score, the music, the, the layer, soundtrack is like the tapestry you, behind it. The soundtrack is like when you throw in a rock and roll song and it makes it a real cool like montage. But the musical score is like... <laughs> and it kind of, right? Something like that, right? Right. Like the Rocky. Da, 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 yeah. Da. But you know what? The Rocky was kind of teetering, like, because that was like a hit. Because it has, in the, in the middle of the song, it's got the, the disco. Maracas. <laughs> the 70s thing. The 70s. Maracas. Okay. It I was like, a hit. It was a hit. I'd like to get to the announcing our guests, bro. <laughs> I was trying to do an introduction here. Sorry, man. Anyway, with us, the executive producer, Trevor Thompson, and uh, writer, and I guess producer as well, uh, Matt Schrader here with us today. That's yeah, it. shoot. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having us. Thanks for making it to Theo Lisa's Garage and stepping over the leaf blower to get in here. <laughs> you got it. Uh, first of all, I want to say thanks for being here, and I'm really excited about the project. We were talking a little bit right now during music break. Um, I, when I saw the trailer for this, uh, Matt showed me the trailer. I was blown away. And one of the first things that came to mind was, wait, has this ever been done before? It doesn't seem like it has. It should have been done before, don't yes. you think? 
Yes. We were yeah. thinking the same thing. Like, why hasn't this been done yet? I think we need a mic on. I have it. Hold on. Do it again. It's out. We were uh, we were thinking the same thing. Uh, there we go. Six seven months ago, when Matt brought me on board for this thing, we're like, "Are we sure this hasn't been done? Let, let's Google it. Let's uh, check Netflix, iTunes, all over." Because what did you come like, up with? Really, nothing. <laughs> There's been a couple, you know, very small TV type uh, productions done on this, but you know, there's it, documentaries on uh, the history of the chicken. Right. So <laughs> where, why hasn't this been done before? We well, we didn't know. Screenwriters and film editors and directors, you know, they've all had their own documentaries. Those have all been and, done. And the yep. music just kind of gets, you know, relegated to like the bonus features on a DVD. They get like three right. or four minutes for the the five people that watch, you know, the <laughs> the double disc version of the DVD. Which is really a shame because, I mean, these guys make two hours of music sometimes for some of these. You talk about somebody like Howard Shore on Lord of the Rings, which is a pretty epic length movie in the first right. place. But, um, I mean, the guys made something like 12 hours of music for... All those movies, right? Twelve hours. You wow. know, that's well. Their, their music a career is for their a music, pop artist. Their music is playing more than the lead actors or actresses are on screen. So they have as big an, an impact, I would argue, as you know any face you can recognize. So you're telling me that a two-hour at the most movie, um, they're making twelve hours or so music. For a movie? No. I don't, no. Oh, that, I that think, would be crazy. I think he's talking about the series there. It's, but, a, it's, yeah. it's a three. It's a three parts. It's a trilogy. Um. <laughs> for so, yeah, for something like that, you're talking yeah. multiple movies. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're playing know, that's a lot six of songs at once. <laughs> so One, let's let's talk. Hours. Let's talk about the documentary. Let's talk about score specifically. I'd like to get into the the uh, sort of the genesis of it. You guys were just sitting around saying, "Hey, let's do a documentary." How did this come about? We, you know, had talked about this for a couple of years. We we first kind of, you know, we we both had an interest in film scores, uh, and we kind of realized we we were both kind of nerdy in that way uh, a couple of years ago. Well, several years ago, I should say. Um, and we just wanted to do something on on these, uh, but we figured somebody else would be doing it. We figured there's somebody else that's you know better prepared. They got they got all the equipment to do this. I'm sure. You know, they could be in Hans Zimmer's studio right now interviewing with him. Right. And they could be putting out this documentary in six months. Who knows? Um, but it wasn't done. And, you know, every time this idea came up again, we were kind of like, well, still hasn't been done. Um, and then uh, just in July last year, Trevor and I met up. And, uh, you know, I, I was working a news job up in Sacramento. And he was down here. And we we uh, we just we met up uh and we were like, why don't we, why don't we do something like this? And uh, and that led to a pretty big leap in us going full throttle into uh, to making this thing. It's amazing now, though, how many people have come up to us like, oh, I wanted to do this for ten years, <laughs> but I just didn't. Uh, <laughs> sorry, dude. <laughs> Is there any... like I wanted to come up with post-it notes? It just someone get me to it. <laughs> now this film, um, uh, I'm, I'm guessing you're talking to a lot of these uh, big time people, like. Throw some names: Hans Zimmer, Danny Elfman, <laughs> Howard Shore, John Powell, John Debney, oh yeah. my God. Henry Jackman. Is, is, is there any story that that uh, that that stands out about uh, that you might think of? Like, wow, that was interesting about that. How that came about? Well, I think it's interesting to learn how these guys put some sounds together because a lot of people think, oh, you know, they just get in front of an orchestra and they make the magic happen. But these guys are, are revolutionaries when it comes to creating new sounds. Like we were at. Uh, Marco Beltrami's studio in Malibu. Mm -hmm. He was showing us how he just ordered uh, like a pig skull off eBay 
and used it as a rhythm sound in uh, a pig skull. And he composed <laughs> in he, one of his latest movies. He so. scored the Hurt Locker, Three Ten to Yuma, Scream, Resident Evil, things. The like home that. and the Homesman this year, which a lot of people thought should get some Oscar consideration, but you know they can only nominate five. <laughs> so um, I want to know how do you get these guys, man? I mean, these are the elite of the film scorers. How do you guys? I mean, you guys just send a letter they're, out. They're yeah. probably <laughs> hey, they're never on film, so they're probably itching for the attention, man. Maybe. Well, I mean, <laughs> these guys, um, a lot of times they they uh, they don't they don't like the spotlight. Um, you know, they like to kind of stay out of the spotlight. So it's a little bit of a challenge sometimes getting a hold of them. We've had to to wait for quite a while to set up uh, some some interviews with a few people that we uh, we really wanted to get and we've we've been able to get most of them we're still waiting on a few there are really big um, that uh, that we were were, uh, were anxious to get shot because they're they're gonna be fun but um, it was tougher at the beginning because we didn't have that mo- much momentum we're coming into this and you know, oh, we're we're doing this documentary. Oh, really? What have you shot so far? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, here's here's a, some notes that we've made so uh, far. Up pheasant <laughs> when I went home for Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs> so when you when you um when you decided you wanted to make this film, what do you want to convey to the audience? What do you what 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 do you want them to come away with? That oh, there's a bunch of composers and this is how they do it, or what is it? Well, there's a couple things that that we really want to you know, be able to focus on. And I would say one of them is the evolution of the film score because Mm -hmm. we know what movies sounded like from, you know, the 30s and 40s. And we just have kind of generic orchestras that are just playing sometimes old, you know, 1700s classical music. And then that shifts and we start to hear jazz in in scores in like the, you know, 50s and 60s. And then we start to have this kind of other experimentation going on in... in, uh, in the early 70s then John Williams comes around and he does Star Wars right. and kind of reinvents the whole the whole game the beginning of that movie man you right. know it's like right. it's everybody like, everybody knows that i would hope <laughs> right at the beginning it's like whoa dude. and it's crazy you know uh John Debney one of the composers that we interviewed early on uh remembered sitting back and, and watching that for the first time and just being blown away. And it was part of what inspired him. Wow. I remember when we saw my brother and I, when we, we you know, we'd, we'd done a lot of things. We were born together, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> we went to go see Star Wars. We couldn't wait for the second one to come out and the third one and so on and so on. And uh, But, you know, we went to the second one. Uh, you know, we already knew all the characters and how the music went. The moment we hear don 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 don, we would stand up and clap, right? Yeah, because that was Darth Vader walking in. We're like, yeah, like if he was a rock star. I'm sure, everyone else in the theater appreciated that. Right. <laughs> Sit down, Mexican. So, um, um, first of all, I want to convey to our listeners that I've watched the trailer. You can watch it. Uh, go online and check it out. You, you can see a link on our Facebook page on Twin Talk Show. Um, it looks yeah. uh, for a film that's about. Music. It looks fantastic. It's Thank beautifully. You. It's beautifully shot. Thank and you. so you're gonna if you're gonna when you watch this, it's gonna be a treat to the eye. But musically, obviously, it's awesome. Um, I want to play uh, one of your radio spots. Is that cool? Yeah, go for it. All right, here we go, guys. This is uh, for score. Think how many movies you know how the tune goes. Music plays such an important role in how you respond to a film. Score a film music documentary. Coming to Kickstarter, February 15th. Visit score-movie.com. 
Okay, so I wanted to play the 31. Here it is. Yeah, that was pretty short. <laughs> the visual is one thing. When you add music, it becomes something else. It's an incredibly competitive industry. There's sort of a new renaissance going on. Standing on the podium and hearing it for the first time. I guess it's like seeing your child for the first time being born. Score, a film music documentary. Coming to Kickstarter, February 15th. Visit score-movie.com. That's awesome. That's awesome. That barely started on Kickstarter, man. We're like, we're on the cusp of it. (laughs) So let's talk about Kickstarter. (laughs) We started two days ago. (laughs) Let's talk about Kickstarter. You guys are, um, tell us about that. Yeah, we, uh, you know, we're we're trying to raise enough to be able to fund basically the rest of our production and and be able to start finishing this film. Um, And so... You know, we we have a lot of really good raw elements right now, but we, we have some things we need to go back and and continue shooting with some of these composers that we've we've interviewed and already shot some sequences with. But um, but you know, we we really want to be able to tell a kind of beginning to end uh, story of how a score comes together from the first notes in somebody's head to uh, to the the final uh, mix that's in the theater when you watch a, a, a film. So. Um, it's uh, Kickstarter was something we we knew we would want to go to, uh, to to try to get this thing done and be able to do it in the way it deserves. We had to do. We knew we were going to. We had to do, do it. Quick, That's like right. Kickstarter. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, it's I, expensive I, to shoot I, one of these. For our listeners, um, uh, to all the listeners listening live now and on a podcast later, um, if I I urge you, I got to tell you, I got a couple of friends that have said I want to. I'm going to go on the Kickstarter because this is a great project. If you want to just take pride and having being part on an awesome, awesome one-of-a-kind, first-time project, this is the one. Not only is it fantastic, I know the guys behind it, they're good guys, but it looks great, it sounds great, and um, you're not going to put, be putting your money in something that's throwaway, I'll tell but, you that. You know, if you, Thank if, you. If, nice if, to say that, yeah. If you are, uh, for, there's, um, there's uh, giveaways, though, if you are to donate, Certain amount on there on Kickstarter. As yeah, well. there's different different tiers, Tons different, of different w- levels. Yeah, so if you want to donate, you know, anything from five dollars to maybe if you're feeling frisky enough, ten thousand dollars. <laughs> that's the highest level. We've uh-huh. got uh, everything in between there, and you can get stuff from t-shirts to posters. You know, digital uh, download. We've got the, that on yeah. there. A lot of people just want a digital download. And, awesome. And, you know, Blu-ray copies thing. of the the movie when it's released, which we're targeting November 2015. Oh, right so on. It's, it's coming up pretty quickly. Wow. Right on. So, oh, you know, just all I want is, you know, just have us on the red carpet, eh? Uh, I'll just, you know, <laughs> you see this mug? <laughs> They're going to walk by us and no, say, oh, the twins. No selfies, no selfies with the press yes, passes. Right. No. Yeah. Kick you out. <laughs> so um, uh, uh, you've, you've interviewed all these. Um, um, I, have you finished interviewing or have you finished? Let me rephrase that. Are you done with the list of people that you wish to interview, or no. are you still adding to that list? No, got, we're still adding to that list. We've got a pretty good list right now. We've got more lined up. In fact, a uh, couple mornings from now, we're going to be doing another interview. So it's definitely not over over for us. And it's one of those things where there's always something we could be shooting. You know, There's always something that can make this documentary better. So if we're not going to put a finished date on our shooting and say, okay, you know, May 1st. Here's the cutoff, right? Yeah. Right. Well, because who knows? Maybe we got Steven Spielberg that says, hey, guys, I'd like to uh, – and we say, okay, yeah. all right, we'll do that. <laughs> no, we're done, Mr. Spielberg. <laughs> right. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you missed it. No, for our listeners' sake, you know, because unfortunately, 
um, like many cinematographers, editors, um, and now we're talking about composers, their names aren't as recognizable. So I'll name some names of the films of some of these people that you have uh, on this documentary. We have uh, film Spider-Man 3, Scarface, um, uh, uh, The Odd Couple, Pretty Woman, uh, The Jungle Book. You got things like X-Men First Class, even uh, Watchmen, Guardians of the Galaxy, Hurt Locker we talked about, Passion of the Christ, a fantastic uh uh, score. I mean, Lord of the Rings. You got Peter Gabriel. Is he part? Is he the one who does a score on that? No, no, that was John Debney. <laughs> really? He wrote. The Passion of the Christ is not Peter Gabriel. <laughs> this is a score, dude. I think he did like uh, music inspired by the film. Okay, that's a different thing, dude. man. But talk All about this time. I thought it was him. Have you guys obsessed over this kind of stuff before, or were you just trying to come up with something that nobody's ever done? Uh, we were both pretty big fans to begin with. I mean, you know, I, and I think that's not that's not uncommon to like this kind of music. It's it, you know, it's a it's an international music. Um, it's something that that kind of crosses over languages, really. Um, you know, people all over the world watch the movies that Hollywood makes, and uh, because of that, they know a lot of these songs. So, you know, it's it's cool to uh, to be kind of building, you know, a really good history and 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 look at the evolution of what this film music genre has become we like to think that everyone is a fan of film music some people just don't know it because you know these artists these composers are so good at hiding it within the context of the film like you guys were playing uh a gonna fly now from rocky right by bill, by bill conti a lot of people know that tune they know the name of the song they know the movie but they have no idea who Bill Conti is. So you guys strike why me he as, made it that way. Yeah. You guys strike me as you know driving around in your Prius and uh, throwing out a name of a song and seeing if the other guy can guess what movie it is. What's that? <laughs> Everything's right about the except for the Prius. Except, except the Prius, except maybe. The Prius. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, so. Um, I want I want to I, I, I kind of break down these musical the music score of a film into a couple of categories. I may be completely wrong, but I, I think that there's a type of score that is kind of in your face that kind of helps move the storyline along. Like like my brother was talking about the, we know Darth Vader's coming because that beat that that riff comes in, or the, we know when to clap because that. Dun, 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 comes in for you know because you know he's about to uh, he just escaped what's his name Indiana Jones escaped but then there's that sort of transparent score that sort of underlies and it's like it's there and you don't always I mean am I right is that the way it works yeah I mean there's I, I would break it down even one step further because there's a couple different different ways that a score can kind of hide in a movie uh, you're right though I mean when you talk about like the Indiana Jones score. Da, 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 da. Everybody knows that because it's it's loud. It's out there. It's the big you know triumphant theme that you 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 hear when something big happens and you remember that. Um, but then there's a lot of other stuff where you know it's kind of a an atmosphere. It's kind of someone's creating a soundscape, like that an kind environment. Of, and the idea is to to you know it doesn't force you to react, but it kind of eases you into a place where it's easy to react. And so you look at some really good scores that a guy named Thomas Newman has done. Shawshank Redemption is a good example um, where, you know, it's not that the score is playing any really easily remembered theme. You can't, probably don't remember any theme from Shawshank not Redemption. Not a melody you can hum necessarily. Right. It's something that is, is just as emotional. Yeah. 
that'll get you going just as much as Star Wars. Well, on this topic, um, is I'd like to ask you guys if if you uh, Matt, is there a couple of scores that are your favorites from a film? Yeah, you know, I think Indiana Jones is is up there. Uh, I remember humming that as a little little kid, basically, and running around and and, uh, and <laughs> thinking I was Indiana Jones, which is uh, which is fun. Um, I think James Bond is in there. I mean, everyone knows the James Bond theme. Oh yeah, that's a great one. It's iconic. Um, and you know, more recently, I think something that Hans Zimmer did, um, who we recently interviewed, uh, the Dark Knight, the Dark Knight themes that he built uh, for that Batman series were uh, were just incredibly good. Here's one. Here's it's from Hans Zimmer. It's, Goth- it's Gotham's Reckoning. Yeah. So this is from The Dark Knight Rises. And this is actually Bane. You remember Bane, the, yes. the villain in the movie. The masked man. This is how he gets introduced. It's a great track. Oh, this move! This is like the beginning of the movie, the airplane scene, right? Exactly. See, isn't yeah. that crazy how that comes right back <laughs> yeah. to you? Let me tell you, I saw that movie on my honeymoon, my wife and I, and it it had me, I was like, ugh. <laughs> stressed out the whole Stressed time. out the whole movie. It was a great movie. It was I, yes, a lot of it is because of this. Yeah, you know, I'm anxious just hearing it. Yeah. Now you spoke to Hans Zimmer just last week, right? Yeah, yeah, we did. That must have been awesome. He's a pretty cool guy. Did you <laughs> chill? Did he tell you? Uh, did you speak to Bane? <laughs> Can you share us a, a little anecdote or something over, uh, 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 you know, about your conversation with him? There's there's a lot of them, and and a lot of the the good stuff that he shared were were obviously gonna be saving for the the film. Right. But um, you know, we talked a lot about how he developed scores for different things and and the different um you know how he tried to weigh different elements and make something that was loud but not too loud you know, you know that made someone feel but it didn't make them you know cringe necessarily well this and, makes me cringe i'm sorry right <laughs> what, what <laughs> In a good i remember way. from that interview though is this is a guy who's done you know 100 or 120 films he's won oscars golden globes grammys right and he said that he's still driven by his own sense of fragility he's he's driven by his own insecurity that maybe he's not quite good enough maybe wow. he can't quite mm. measure up so these guys even though you know they've delivered dozens or hundreds of times in some cases they're still driven by this i guess it's like an artistic sense that they still haven't achieved perfection yet there's still something it, better they can that's do. an artist right if that's yeah. the case you know then i'm a genius man i'm pretty insecure <laughs> hey? there's so, hope for me let me ask you trevor uh, give, uh, tell us a couple of your favorites uh there's so many but i would have to go with uh i like alan silvestri's forrest gump it's oh classic. yes classic uh, john williams et just that final scene you know we've talked to a few composers who say there aren't many sequences like that in film anymore where the music just carries you toward the climax and toward the end of the scene for what was it? Uh, that like was 12, yeah, for those who minutes. don't know, I think it's 18 minutes. 18 wow. minutes, the yeah. End. They're just, just all music, and right. it's loud and in your face, and, that's and right. it works. I just watched it recently with yeah. my kids. And then uh, I'm a fan of Ennio Morricone's The Mission. Uh, and here's the weird thing about the that. Here's, the, here's right. the weird thing about that. That's one of my all-time favorite scores, but I've never seen the movie. That's nah. because the music stands alone. Yeah. It's something you can hear. I, I mean, I just remember hearing it. You haven't it. seen the movie? I've never seen the movie. De Niro's in this film. And Jeremy Irons. Jeremy and, Irons? Yeah. Here's some of that one. It's a great. Which film is this? The Mission. Oh, my bad. I thought it was. Uh, I think. You hear this motif recurring throughout the movie. And then uh, he wrote some, wrote some great music for this that's been played in concerts, like Gabriel's Oboe is a cue I think a lot of people might be familiar with. 
Uh, it's something that you can go to a concert and listen to and think you're hearing, you know, a, a symphony. classical yeah. music. It's awesome. Yep. Well, Enyo's one of the greats. He's one of my favorites. I'm going to play you one of mine by Enyo, and it's uh, from, you'll remember, you recognize this one probably right off the bat, but it's from uh, uh, one of the Spaghetti Westerns. This was called Ecstasy of Gold. Ah. I love this one. This was a climactic scene towards the end of the film where uh, Tuco finds that that cemetery that Blondie. they've been looking for. Hijo de puta. And he suddenly gets caught up in like, <laughs> oh my God, I'm within reach of my riches. And he gets caught up with this. This is awesome. And you'll look genius as well. This is one of the one of the greatest scores that really, it sounds so modern yeah. in my, my opinion. This could yeah. be in a movie that came out this year right it's just great it climaxes awesome film Angel you have one one that you like I have dude you guys this I think a lot of people know, I don't know I don't remember the name of it uh, but put it on man this is my favorite score <laughs> this uh, won the Oscar in uh, yeah, I think it was nineteen seventy. Pretty sure this swept all those uh, all those awards that year the Benny Hill show Benny Hill hey <laughs> shoot Oh my gosh! Hey, but you can put you can put this music to any scene, and it'll completely change the tone, <laughs> and it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, we we we've running we've we've run out of time. We could talk on this forever. It's a great topic. I'm so looking forward to your documentary. Thank Rewind you very that. much. Thank you. We will continue to post your uh, Kickstarter on our Facebook over and over. We'll tweet about it. Please let our listeners know where to find you guys and all that stuff. Yeah, it's uh, you can just we've made it easy. You can just go to score-movie.com, score-movie.com, um, and get right to our our, uh, our full trailer that we just put out. That's on Kickstarter. It's on the the link right on the front page. So you'll see it right there. The stra- the trailer alone is awesome. Also, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, right there, score-movie.com. Right on, I'm ladies right. and gentlemen, Matt Schrader. Trevor Thompson, thanks so much for being on our show. Thank you, Thank guys. You. Appreciate right being on, here. Man. We'll, be, we'll be right back with Angel's Chill Lounge. today. Listen to Twin Talk with Jose and Angel, Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Kick back and listen.
Get over yourself. Does the proverbial life happens only happen to you? Perhaps you feel that someone annoys you or that the boss man doesn't appreciate you. Maybe you feel that no one even gets you and that everyone should be like you. If you would just stop the boohoo, you would see that the commonality in this is you. So, as a favor to you from you, get over yourself and into something greater than you. An action or cause, an absence or presence, a spoken or unspoken word, a hero or sacrifice. Whatever it is, shift the energy from to you and let it flow from you to something greater than you. Chill. One love. And that's another edition of Angel's Chill Lounge. And that brings us to the end of this week's Twin Talk with Jose and Angel. We want to thank you all for being with us again today. And remember that if you want to catch this or share this with a friend, our podcasts are available on TwinTalkCast.com. And also because we are iTwins, you can find us on iTunes. You know, that's a really good way to put us in your gadget. eh? We want to thank our guests, uh, filmmakers (laughs) of an upcoming awesome documentary called Score. We want to thank Matt Schrader and Trevor Thompson. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. You guys rock, dude. Yeah. Oh, do we? That's so kind. You guys <laughs> sound good on radio, and, and you brought a good mus- musical score for our show today. It's yeah. The, <laughs> the deep, manly voices that we have. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the Prius. Because they're, <laughs> they're manly men. They're not gutterly men. <laughs> Stay tuned. At 9.05 tonight, Tales from the Sunset Strip with Willie Bass is going to be here. Willie, Willie, what do you got coming up later on this show? I've got some really cool stuff happening with the Sin Circus. And I also have uh, Sky coming by. She owns a, a Hollywood tour company. Awesome. And she's also a recording artist. Nice. So it's just so been interesting. Stay tuned for Tales from the Sunset Strip. And we want to thank you guys for being here. What's up, bro? Beats me. <laughs> Whatever, dude. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Shoo!